Please do return your seats and turn with me to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We will commence reading from verse 28 through to verse 37. It's good to see all of you present this morning physically and a warm welcome to those that are joining us via our different uh, uh, platforms, live streaming platforms. John chapter 11, and I commence reading from verse 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? We'll end our reading there. We are back in our series of messages in the book of John. Last Lord's Day, we considered verses 25 through to verse 27. And in that portion of the passage, we looked at that emphatic statement of our Lord Jesus Christ. The statement where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the lessons that we drew from there were as follows. We noted that Jesus, we noted that eternal life is from Jesus. And we saw that in the statement, I am the resurrection and the life. For the Lord Jesus Christ in the present tense was referring to himself as the resurrection and the life. We also noted there that there is eternal life after physical death. And again we saw where he said, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And we saw that there is life beyond the grave, either eternity in the presence of God or eternity away from God. And lastly, we saw that there is eternal life even in this life. And again we saw when the Lord Jesus Christ said to Martha, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And having looked at that, we looked at the question of Christ to Martha, and that was a question that was posed to each one of us that was present, or those that were listening to us via different live uh, uh, platforms, our streaming platform. And the question was this, do you believe these things? This was the question that Jesus had asked Martha. This was the question that was posed to us. Do you believe this thing? Do you believe the statement of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, I am the resurrection and the life? Is this a present reality in you? Can you truly say you have eternal life, not because of anything in you, but eternal life because you've come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
This morning we come to the, the again the, this fourth episode in this the Lazarus uh, case or the Lazarus uh, episode. And this time around we, we come to the section where the Lord Jesus Christ meets Mary and speaks with her and then also John records for us the shortest verse in the Bible that's John 11.35 Jesus wept. And the passage before us the underlining truth in this passage is this Jesus feels for those whom he loves. Jesus feels for those who love him. He, he, he weeps for them. He's concerned for them. He is there for them. And he is interceding for them. And the question really, as we go through this passage, will be, do you know such a savior? A savior who is compassionate over you. He feels uh, for you. Who is there for you in those deep times of dis- in times of distress and in times of sorrow? A savior who can identify with your weaknesses, your struggles. A savior who died for your sins that in him you might have life. And if this is not true of you, again, as the gospel is being preached, as God's word is being brought forth, all that you may come to believe in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So let's open up that portion of the scriptures and draw lessons this morning. The first thing I'd like us to see is the compassion felt. Compassion felt. And this really is captured in verse 32 through to verse 34. Verse 32 through to verse 34. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And again you see as John is trying to show us the the reaction of the Lord Jesus Christ. He again uses phrases, transition phrases from verse 28 all the way to verse 31 to give us a background to what exactly he wants, uh, he wants us to observe. And so in verse 28 through to verse 31, you see where John narrates to us that when the Lord Jesus Christ had finished talking to Martha, or when Martha had finished talking to Christ, he went to call the sister Mary. And again you see that Mary was in the company of the Jews that had come to to weep with them. It is believed that in the Jewish custom, when a death occurred, the the bereaved family at least needed to hire some professional mourners, at least one or two, Others will be playing the instruments and then there will be a a lady or a woman who will lead the the morning procession uh, in in coming to the family uh, to mourn with them. And most likely this was the case even in, in in Martha and Mary's situation. And in their case, we are told there were many Jews who had come uh, to console them. Most likely, as commentators would say, they were well-to-do. And so they could afford a large company or a large crowd of mourners. And that might be, is indicated in the fact that many Jews had come uh, to weep with them. And so John records, Mary goes and Martha goes to call the sister and then the moment she zooms out, those who had come to 
mourn with her or mourn with them, follow her thinking she's going to weep at the tomb where Lazarus had been laid. And so when you get now get to verse 32 through to verse 34, you actually see there this, the, the compassion that Christ felt when he saw Martha, Mary and the Jews weeping. When Mary met Jesus, she said the exact words, she said exactly the same words that Martha had said earlier on. And it is interesting that Jesus responded to Martha by teaching Martha uh, when she said, if you only had been here, my brother would would not have died. And so it's very interesting that Jesus responded differently to the two sisters. To Martha, he responded with a teaching moment. When Martha uttered these words that Mary utters in verse 32, not, what, not with me Martha's words in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus responded to her, to her by teaching her, by explaining to Martha. And the Lord Jesus Christ says in verse uh, 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, verse 24, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And so the Lord Jesus Christ took this moment To teach Martha. Martha believed in the resurrection at the last day or on the last day. But she didn't know that the resurrection was the person standing right in front of her. And so Christ saw that this was a moment Martha needed. Rather this was the lesson Martha needed to learn. And Jesus in verse 28 says to Martha, And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And perhaps Martha may have missed this teaching while she was busy preparing meals for the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? It's recorded that Christ used to visit their homes. And Martha was busy in the kitchen preparing while Mary sat at the feet learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps she missed this lesson. And so when she cries to the Lord Jesus Christ, if only you were here, my brother would not have died. Christ saw this as an opportunity to help her understand that Jesus is the resurrection. Now Martha, rather Mary in verse 32, uses the same word as Martha. The Bible reads in verse 32, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same words, but Christ responds differently to Martha, uh, rather to Mary. Mary didn't need teaching at this moment. She needed the proof of the teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ had been teaching her. And so Jesus was going to demonstrate the truth he has been teaching that Lazarus is sleeping and he was going to raise him up from the dead. But you see that Mary's tears and the tears of those who were with her touched the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible there John records for us and that he was deeply moved in his spirit and and greatly 
troubled. Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and greatly troubled. Now, the expression that John uses in verse uh, 33 is the same expression in the original, in the Greek that is used in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 30 and Mark chapter 1 verse 43 and then also in Mark 14 and verse 5. Now in, in Matthew chapter 9 verse 30 and in Mark chapter 1 verse 43 the word used there is the word he sternly warned or is in some version will say Jesus sternly charged. So the context there is, is healed someone and then he sternly warns them not to reveal it to the religious leaders. And then in Mark chapter 14 and verse 5, the word is used to donate or do, is used to show the indignation of the audience at the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. When you, the ESV actually uses that they scolded her. That's in Mark 14 and verse 5. They scolded her that she was basically wasting this, this expensive perfume that could have been sold and been given and the proceeds been given to the poor. And so the picture there, when you, when you look at what the way John uses the expression, the way Mark and Matthew, the idea really is that there was this indignation uh, towards the woman and John records for us that it's, there was this outburst or there was this indignation in that moved Christ when he saw the tears in Mary and in the Jews. And so this word was originally used for the, the, the snorting of, of horses when the horse is breathing heavily, like keeping the breath inwardly. And when it's used in reference to human beings, it is where you are, you are inhaling, but also suppressing the rage inside you. So like you're suppressing the rage that is inside you by breathing heavily, so that you don't burst out emotionally. And so John wants us to picture that Christ felt compassion when he saw the tears of Martha, the tears of Mary, and the company of the Jews that were present. And John records that Jesus was moved in spirit and he was greatly troubled. And when it says was moved in spirit, it's not a reference to the Holy Spirit, but it's a reference to his innermost being. He was deeply moved at what he saw. The tears that were running through the eyes of those he loved. And the expression was deeply moved in spirit. Again, John uses it in chapter 13 and verse 21. And I'll quickly read chapter 13 and verse 21. And you know the context is the Lord Jesus Christ is about to reveal to his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. And then in verse 21 of John 13, the Bible reads, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I said to you, one of you will betray me. He was troubled in spirit and testified, truly, truly, I said to you, one of you will betray me. And that's the same expression that John uses in verse 33 of chapter 11. He was moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. 
Jesus was expressing anger in a grown form from his innermost being. He was groaning, he was expressing anger from his innermost being. And in this at this point of grieving, the Lord Jesus Christ was steered by the depth of human grief as he saw Mary weeping. He was moved at the death that had occurred in this family. And his anger was directed against the thing that had provoked the outburst of grief, the death of Lazarus. The Lord Jesus Christ was annoyed, was, was moved by the death that had occurred in this family. And you see when you get to verse 38, again you see he was troubled when he was at the tomb of Lazarus. He was deeply moved. And so when Christ looked at the tears, when Christ looked at the death that had occurred in this family, he saw he was outraged at the consequences of sin that had come into the world he had created. He was moved at the consequences of sin. Death is an enemy. And Satan uses the fear of death as a terrible weapon for humanity. No wonder Christ was outraged. He felt compassion. His reaction to human sorrow was charged with his emotions. And the Bible records for us that he felt this compassion. The scriptures are very clear for us that the wages of sin is death. Death is as a result of sin. Death is a consequence of sin. Death entered this world because of sin. The universal consequence of Adam's fall into sin is death. It is nonetheless an outrage, an abnormality that is imposed on God's world. It is an abnormality that comes to all, including those whom God loves, those whom God desires to save. And the Lord Jesus Christ does not regard death as a normal part of life. Yes, it is the greatest fact of life. All of us will die. But as the Bible says, it is the last enemy. And as death occurs, it is a reminder of the consequence of sin that as sin entered this world, death is a result. And this enemy called death bids the human race to an eternity in the presence of God or to an eternity away from the presence of God. And as Christ saw the tears, his emotions were towards death that had occurred in that family. He felt compassion for them, for what had occurred. But secondly, we see compassion expressed. The compassion expressed. Christ expressed his compassion. And John records for us in verse 35, in those two words, Jesus wept. 
Jesus wept. Jesus was so overwhelmed with grief that John records simply that Jesus wept. And in this short verse found in the scriptures, it gives us this picture of Jesus' deepest emotions. And when you read the Gospel of John, John goes to a greater length to, to show us the, the, the divine side of Christ. And then he also comes down to show us the human side of Christ. And the goal in John's gospel is what he records in chapter 20 and verse 31. That all these things were written so that you and I may believe that Jesus is a Christ. And so once again in verse 35, John brings this aspect of the humanity of Christ. And he shows to us that Jesus wept. He did. He expressed his compassion in the face of death. The Greek word that is used for wept is different from the one that is used for the weeping of Mary and the Jews in verse 33. The one that is used for Mary and the Jews in verse 33 gives this picture of loud lamenting, wailing the loss of their dear loved one. But the one that is used for Jesus in verse 35 is that it is Jesus' tears are a compassionate outburst towards those he loved. It is this compassion for those he loved. And this, 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 this Greek uh, word is only used two other times in the New Testament. Outside the book of John. It's used once in John 11.35. And then it's used in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. And the, and the context there is Jesus is approaching Jerusalem. And as he approached Jerusalem, Luke records that he wept. And this is what the Bible says in Luke 19 and verse 41. Luke 19 and verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over, over it. Why was he weeping? Luke goes on to say, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and helm you in on every side, and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And again there, Luke also records that the tears there of Christ was the outburst of compassion over the city that he loved. A city that had known the unseen the miracles of Christ and yet continued to rebel against Christ. And Jesus who is God, who knows all things and who knows the future and what will become of the city. Luke records for us that as he drew near the city, he wept over it. And then the, the other is in Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears 
To him was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So that were, those words with loud cries and tears are the same words that Luke used for he wept and the same one that John uses in John 11 and verse 35. And again, what the Bible is communicating to us there is that it was this compassionate expression of our Lord Jesus Christ over those he loves. Jesus' tears reminds us of the reality of the pain of death. And as it reminds us of the reality of the pain of death, it also points us to his own death ultimately on the cross where he would be separated from the Father because he was made sin so that in him those who believe in him may have life and life in abundance. And so John is showing us that the, the, the incarnate word truly dealt amongst us and participated in our sorrows. You see John recording from the wedding in Cana to the grave, to the cross. Jesus identified himself with human beings. He wept. He groaned within himself. He groaned and groaned again. Because of the love of, he has for those who are truly his. The question that people seek to ask is, but why did Jesus weep when he knew that he would wake up Lazarus anyway? Why did he have to weep when he, was go he knew that he was going to wake up Lazarus? He had said that Lazarus' death is in order that the glory of God may be manifested and that the Son may be, man, may be glorified. But why weep? La Christ had said to his disciples that Lazarus' sickness is not unto death. Why weep? He wept when he looked at the fallen world and how that fallen world is entangled in sin. How that sin has entered the world and the consequences of sin. That sorrow and death has come into this world. He wept when he saw how that sin has entrenched every family, every community of human beings. And how that sin ravages families and brings about sorrow in those families. He wept because he knew that sin separates human beings from the Father. He wept at the unbelief of some of the Jews, that even though miracles were performed before them, they still did not believe in the Son of God. He wept because he knows that if one is to continue in the state of sin, he will be totally separated from the Father. He wept that he had come into this world as the savior of the world, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. And John is showing us there this, this mystery of the incarnation of Christ that is 100% God and 100% man. That as a divine logos, he would, he would stand in front of death and exhibit his sovereign powers and would say to his disciples, this death, this sickness is not unto death. 
But of the incarnate logos, the incarnate word, he would identify himself with human sorrow and he would weep with his brothers. He would feel for them and he would show and express compassion for those he loves. And this is the savior that the scriptures gives us. A savior who expresses compassion over those he loves. The scriptures do not give us a savior who is insensitive, who is impassable, who is unmoved by the, the consequences of sin, the sorrow that affects the human being. We are presented with the savior who enters into our grief, who understands our grief, who understands the suffering of, of human beings, a Savior who knows what you are going through, and he can sympathize and feel with you, a Savior who knows your tears, and he say, I'll wipe away those tears. He's been there. He knows it. A savior who knows what it is to be distressed. And he's saying, come unto me, O he that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What an amazing reality that the creator of the universe is our compassionate friend. The one who sustains the world by the power of his word. He's compassionate over you. He feels for you. He wants you to cast your burdens upon him. And this is a great and wonderful mystery and yet a powerful comfort to those who struggle in their sins. You have a Savior who created the world but a Savior who is compassionate and is saying, come unto me. I came that you may have life and life in abundance. And in the third place we see compassionate compassion observed. The compassion observed. Read with me verse 36 and verse 37. Compassion observed. Verse 36 and verse 37. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man, blind man also have kept this man from dying? The fact that Jesus wept at the grave of Lazarus teaches us how much he loves us. How much he loves his own. Jesus' public display of emotions stunned the mourners in two ways. One group said he deeply loved Lazarus. Another group pronounced Basically saying, if you open the eyes of the blind, how come he failed to prevent this man from dying? They saw these, they saw the reaction of Christ and observed two things. But what I want you to capture is John's trace when he says, but some of them said, some, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. When they saw the tears of Christ, 
And their conclusion was he truly loved this man. They were convinced of his love for Lazarus. They knew that he loved him. They observed that he loved Lazarus. They concluded without a doubt that truly this man loved Lazarus. Even though the other group were surprised that if Jesus truly loved Lazarus, how come he was inactive? How come he was slow to get to where Lazarus was? And with even preventing death occurring. What they did not understand is that the love of Christ does not avoid or prevent danger and death, but rather that through the death of those he loves, it's an opportunity for Christ to magnify the Father and manifest the glory of the Father. The love of Christ for his own is the same as the love the Father has for the world. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And the love of Christ is self-giving. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that saves from sin. And Jesus will prove his love for his own when he raises Lazarus from the dead. But what I want you to note, or the question I want you to wrestle with this morning, when you think of the death of Christ on the cross, is there nothing in that story? Is there nothing in that historical fact that moves you to tears and touches your heart and makes you to conclude like the Jews that truly Jesus loves you? Is there nothing in the picture of the weeping Christ before his father on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is there nothing in those words that move you to realize that truly God made him who knew no sin to be seen so that in him you might become the righteousness of God? Is there nothing in those words that bring to your heart that God loves you and has given you his only begotten son? Is there nothing in those words that makes you to come to this conclusion? That he truly loves you. He truly loves you. Christ hanged on the cross under an imaginable stress, overwhelmed to see the full force of his father punishing him. Christ drank in the full agony of the wrath of the Father, so that you may be reconciled to him. The Father forsook the Son, that in the death of the Son, you may find life. And while Christ hung on the cross, he had you in mind. Is there nothing in the words of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross that moves you to tears and make you to realize that it was your sin that nailed him there? Is there nothing that moves you and brings you to a point where you realize that without Christ you are done, you are doomed?
We are the spectators of the wonder, the praise and the glory which eternity will not exhaust or erase. The Lord of glory, the King of kings, the God-man, the incarnate Savior, drinking the wrath of the Father. And on the cursed tree, on the cross, he cries out, My God, why, why have you forsaken me? Is there nothing in those words to show you that he truly and deeply loves you? What is it that God would have done to demonstrate his love for you than to give his only begotten son, the darling of heaven, the sinless savior, coming to take up your sins? Is there nothing in those words that will move you to say to yourself, God truly loves me and I will abandon my sins and I will come to Christ today. I will come to him and seek his forgiveness. I will come to him and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Jesus died on the cross, rose, was raised from the dead, and is now in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding for those he loves. He feels for them, and every day he's reminding them that he loves them. And as Christians, those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, we can walk this earth with this sense of assurance that those words on the cross were clear evidence to me that he loved me. And those words drew me to himself and broke my stubborn heart and moved me to surrender all to him. And have I surrendered to him? It is a surrender of peace. As he conquers my heart. And takes lordship of my heart. He gives me peace to save him. To love him. And every day I can say with the hymn writer. The reason name I love. To hear, I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. He first loved me. And how do I know he first loved me? He died for my sins. And this is the Savior that the Bible gives to us. This is the Savior that is being presented to you. A Savior who weeps for his own. And a Savior who demonstrates his love for his own. Oh, that you may come to this Savior today and sing with the rest of us as we worship God in bursts of joy. We love him because he first loved us. Let's pray.
Her father's words do fail us to clearly and fully express your love for us in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your love that has been demonstrated in the death of Christ. Words do fail us, O oh Lord, to truly give a clear picture to, to those listening just how much you've loved us with this everlasting love. But Lord, we thank you that the Bible does show us how you've loved us. And we pray that may God the Holy Spirit work in each one of us to help us see that you truly love us. And that that truth may cause us to come to you in faith and in repentance and to abandon our ways of sin. Oh, that you cause each one of us not to go back the way we came. Having heard just how much you love us, how much you show concern for your own. Our Father, this world is full of sin. And daily we are bombarded with all manner of sorrow. Oh, that you may help us to live in this full assurance that Jesus weeps for his own. He shows his compassion and he's given us his Holy Spirit that reminds us that we are his. Father, we pray that may this assurance be the assurance of all of us this morning. That those who are still wallowing in their sins, that the cry of Christ on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That they may have a new impact on their hearts, on their lives, on their minds. And that that, that new impact may bring them to the feet of Christ in total surrender to his Lordship. Lord, hear our cry. For Jesus' sake. Amen.